0: If you're struggling with your habits or your productivity or your daily emotions and just your overall direction in life, I want to recommend you go check out my Tapping Solution Planner. I designed this planner to not just be some regular old planner where you make your tasks and to-dos on a calendar, but where you can understand what's really driving you and your results. You see, this planner is more than just a planner. It's a system to transform your energy and habits and focus and confidence and emotions, mindset, productivity, results in life, and so much more. And I, of course, designed it so that you can use EFT Tapping to help you in that transformation. If you want to learn about the planner and pick one up for yourself, just go to thetappingsolution.com planner. That's thetappingsolution.com planner. And on that page, you'll see a video where I detail exactly why this planner is different. Don't let another year go by just wishing things would be different. I know this planner can help. Go check it out. Just go to thetappingsolution.com planner.
1: Welcome to the Tappingsolution.com's Bits and Pieces podcast, where we share information designed to change your life. Whether you're new to EFT tapping or an old hand, you'll find simple, inspiring information to brighten your day, motivate you, and help you live your best life. To learn more about tapping, visit thetappingsolution.com. Now, here's today's clip. These days, it seems like our lives are busier than ever. Our to-do list seems to be ever expanding, yet getting things done can also seem harder than ever. Today, you'll learn tools, tricks, and a powerful tapping process to help you get clear, focused, and productive. To lead the way, we are speaking to a man who lives what he teaches, Dr. Dawson Church from eftuniverse.com. Dr. Church earned his doctorate in integrative healthcare under the mentorship of the distinguished neurosurgeon, Dr. Norman Shealy. He also holds a postgraduate PhD in natural medicine and has a clinical certification in energy psychology. He is the author of the book, Genie in Your Genes, which outlines the latest studies on the effects of consciousness on the expression of DNA molecules. This is a man who has done a lot, and today he will teach us how. Welcome, Dawson.
2: Jessica, it is such a thrill and delight to be here again. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you. So like I mentioned, these to-do lists, it seems like everybody has them. We seem to be a a bit addicted to them, yet they don't seem to serve us that much. You know, we have this list and it seems like it's just growing and growing and we're not getting anywhere. Why do you feel people are addicted to the concept of a to-do list and do you find it helpful?
2: Lists are helpful and it pays to organize your life and it pays to have some kind of structure to organize what you do. All tasks aren't created equal and so to capture what we do and then organize it, we need that list. The trouble is that we then think we have to do everything on the list. And what I'm going to talk today about is the actually the vital necessity of not doing everything on your to-do list and surprising benefits to you of actually skipping things on your to-do list. So we have these lists, they're useful, but they wind up running our lives as we cross things off the top, more things we add to the bottom or the middle, and so it becomes this hamster wheel we, we feel we're always on. I remember one of the, the young uh, people in one of my one of my live workshops and this lady was about 28 years old and she had two kids and she, her husband had recently lost his job and she was in the middle of getting certified as an EMT practitioner and she felt completely overwhelmed. It was a combination of her kids, her husband, money, all the requirements of certification she was just completely overwhelmed. As she sat in that class and described her her plight, people were so moved by feeling how oppressed she felt by all of the lists she had. She had her husband's lists, her husband's demands and needs, her kids' demands and needs, her financial demands, All of these things were weighing so heavily on her, and at 25, she was carrying this, 28, she was carrying this heavy, heavy, heavy psychological burden of anxiety and depression. And so as she learned to tap, as she learned EFT during that live class, it was amazing. Just saw layer after layer after layer lifting from her, and she began to realize, she needed to carve out a space for herself. She was, her list was all about how to take care of everyone else in her life, and she had got totally squeezed out of her own priorities, and that was the real source of the problem. So these lists are useful, and yet they wind up becoming a tremendous burden to us, and the feeling we have to cross them all, all those things off the list then becomes a force propelling us into not taking care of ourselves, which is our number one responsibility.
1: We can go online and read a lot of different articles with productivity tips and tricks. Why is tapping so essential when it comes to addressing this topic? Does it make that big of a difference?
2: Tapping is essential when you're looking at productivity because you need to step back and ask yourself, what am I being productive for? Who am I being productive for? What is the source of these tasks? Very often, they're other people's priorities. If you look at your email inbox, that's all the stuff other people want you to do. And often far too much of that winds up on our to-do list. You need to ask yourself, what do I need to do? What serves me? And so just taking a whole bunch of things and prioritizing them well isn't going to do you any good if you're prioritizing the wrong things. If you're taking other people's priorities, other people's wants, other people's needs and trying to do them all, it exhausts you. So uh, a lot of this, this this next hour will focus on what serves you, what, what supports your success and learning to do those things and prioritize those things and actually then not do the things that don't support your success. Right.
1: So when we're asking ourselves these questions to get really clear on whether what the task on the to-do list is serving us, is it important to do the tapping because we have resistance to it? I guess what I'm trying to understand is you're telling us to ask ourselves these questions to get clear. And those questions are really great. So what's can't we just ask ourselves those questions to help us prioritize and not do the tapping? And wh- where does the tapping come in in helping us implement this advice?
2: Several places. One is that it's hard to say no. And it's very difficult for people to reject a request from a friend, from a colleague, from a, a partner, from a, a spouse, from a child and yet sometimes we have to have clear boundaries and say no. Tapping really helps us overcome our resistance to setting clear boundaries. You have to say no to certain things, and you may feel very bad saying no. You may feel guilty saying no. You may have never gotten good at saying no in your whole life, so you feel overwhelmed, stressed because you've taken on far too much. Tapping can really help you release those feelings of overwhelm and, and enable you to say no. Also, most people, when they get to the point of saying no, they feel they have to say no in a really strong emotional way. I know we get uh, we do customer service for EFP Universe. I look at those customer service emails. And often people get themselves really worked up and, and mad when they email customer service because they feel they have to have that emotional energy to to legitimize their own needs. But it, the truth is we don't. And so if you tap, you then lower your emotional thermostat, you then could go talk to your colleague, your spouse, your child, the person with whom you're having to set limits and set boundaries, and do it in a polite, constructive, kind, and collaborative way, not as an emotional no. So EFT and tapping removes all the emotion around that and also starts to help you find healthy boundaries yourself. So tapping reduces that stress level, reduces your level of emotional triggering. You then are able to talk to people with whom you need to set boundaries and limits in a kind and collaborative way. And that makes a huge difference. It makes you much less prone to conflict. It makes it much more likely to get your real needs met. And it just creates a much better emotional atmosphere all throughout your life. So that's one really important use of tapping. Yeah.
1: I love to say that you can't panic your way to an answer. That's the <laughs> yeah, that's the strategy yeah. a lot of us take. We're like, well, if I worry enough and if I panic enough, maybe I'll figure this out. And that way of thinking is what really shuts us down. It it makes it really impossible to be creative and to be resourceful and to have these ideas. So as you're going and you're giving us these tips, if someone's listening in there going, "Well, I don't really know how to apply this in my own life." Anytime you say, "I don't really know," That's that's when I turn to tapping because if I can just let go of any type of overwhelm, the answer comes, and you you learn to begin to trust that that inner voice. And this is what I love about the tapping world summit. And it's not really even about the tapping; it is about tapping into, you know, excuse the pun, your own power and your own ability to do what's right for you.
2: You know, one of the great techniques that we teach in our clinically empty workshops is called sneaking up on the problem, and if you have a belief like that, that I don't know what to do, or I can't do this, what we do with sneaking up is we simply drop that into an EFT setup statement. And you can just try this right now, take any, any belief you have about any part of your life where you feel stuck or hopeless. So it could be that, oh, I had a great one in a live workshop last week that this woman said, I, I can't change this because now I've heard all kinds of because I've heard people say I can't change this because I'm a man I'm a woman. I'm too overweight I don't have money. I can't change this because none of, none of my family has done this I can't change because uh, it's genetic. I can't change because I, I've been doing this my whole life I've tried to change it. I've heard all kinds of reasons why people are stuck But Jessica This was the, the first time I'd heard this she said I can't change this because I'm an Aries because of my son's side. (laughs) She was convinced. So what we do with sneaking out, this wonderful little technique from level one, is we just drop that hopeless cognition into a setup statement. We just say exactly what the client says and what we're saying ourselves. And at the beginning of it, we say, even though at the end of that hopeless statement, we say, and I deeply and completely accept myself. So you might say, I don't know how to change this. And then when the client says that or when you say that in your own self-talk, you just sneak up on the problem by saying, even though I don't know how to change this, I deeply and completely accept myself. Now, what happens when people start tapping on that phrase, it's absolutely miraculous. All kinds of shifts begin to happen when rather than saying, well, of course, you can change that. Of course, you can find the answer. Of course, you can change. blah, blah, blah. You don't try and argue them into change. You agree that they can't change and tap and use EFTU seven statement. And it's remarkable how people will shift and change when you do that. So we can just do a little bit of tapping on that right now if you want.
1: Yeah, I would love that. So this concept of when it comes to our to-do list about being productive, taking the right steps forward, we're in a place where we're like, well, I don't really know what to do, what the best strategy is.
2: This works for any place in your life that you're stuck. In fact, you can look at your to-do list and maybe pick something that you've been resisting doing that's been on there for a long time. I call that pretending. So you're, you're pretending you're going to do that, that thing. If it's been on your to-do list for six months or a year or even more than three months, you're probably pretending you're going to do it. It's a good intention that you aren't actually doing. So pick something like that that you feel stuck around and we'll tap on that. So and how
1: do we measure it?
2: Measure it using that 0 to 10 scale, that's SUD scale, subjective units of disturbance, distress. So 0 is no disturbance, 10 is the maximum possible disturbance, and where are you as you look at that thing? So look at that. In fact, I'd encourage you to write your number down. Write down your number. Write down your hopeless statement, whatever it might be. I'll never be able to, whatever it might be. And also write down a third thing, which is really important. Where do you feel that in your body? Tune into your body. Ask your body, interrogate your body as to what it's telling you. Our bodies are full of information, and we're so used to living in our heads. We don't tune in deeply like that, and ask our, our bodies for the wisdom they have. So write down where you feel that number. If it's a five or a seven or a nine or even a ten, where in your body is that ten? Is it in your heart? Is it in your forehead? Is it in your tightness in your shoulders? Where is it in your body? So you've now written down your hopeless statement, your number. And where that number resides in your body. And, and because uh, we, it's a
1: belief, we can ask ourselves, how true does this feel on a scale of 1 to 10? You agree? Yeah,
2: yeah that's, that's, that's a different scale. And actually, in our clinical workshops, we have people track both scales, both their emotions and also their strength of belief. So in in, the, in, the, in the, uh, the jargon, it's called validity of cognition, or VOC. That's how strongly you believe a statement. So you might believe, I can't do this. And your belief that you can't do it is a 10. Really, really high number. Usually, after you've tapped, it'll drop way down. So, you can track both your side level in your body and also your strength in the belief. Now, when you've done some tapping, what you'll usually find is the emotions in your body subside, your body feels a lot better, your number drops, and the strength of your belief in that thing drops as well. We have people in our workshops who have had a fixed belief about some part of their life for 30 or 40 or 50 years. It's so entrenched in them. They believe it 100%, 10 out of 10. After a little bit of tapping, those self-limiting beliefs just crumble. It's astonishing how quickly people can change with EFT. So it's fun to try it yourself. And,
1: and let's, let's do it. Let's try it ourselves. Everyone that's listening, the way you're going to get the most out of our time together is to do the tapping. So please follow along. And uh, Dawson, I will be following along as well and, and tapping along.
2: That sounds good
1: whenever you're ready
2: okay so let's tap on that that belief okay so you've now written down your belief you've written down your SUD score zero to 10 your how strongly you believe that statement and also where you feel this in your body so now all you do is tap along with me and just even echo and we'll tap on those those beliefs and we'll just use even though before the belief and I deeply and deeply the belief. So start with your karate chop point, and I like to tap this point a lot. So start tapping your karate chop point. I like to tap this point a lot because this is the point where we correct for psychological reversal. And psychological reversal is what impedes your success. And the chances are, if you're stuck, you probably have psychological reversal. So we're going to spend about half our time just tapping on the karate chop point. And while you're tapping there, Say out loud, even though I'm stuck in this way,
1: even though I'm stuck in this way,
2: and I've been stuck for a long time,
1: and I've been stuck for a long time,
2: I deeply and completely accept myself.
1: I deeply and completely accept myself.
2: Keep tapping your chop point, and say out loud, this part of my life might change.
1: This part of my life might change.
2: And this part of my life might not change.
1: And this part of my life might not change.
2: Either way, I deeply and completely accept myself.
1: Either way, I deeply and completely accept myself.
2: Okay, eyebrow point. Your eyebrow meets the bridge of your nose. Tap there with two fingers lightly. Say out loud, I'm totally stuck.
1: I'm totally stuck.
2: I always have been, always will be.
1: I always have been, always will be.
2: Tap on the side of your eye. This part of me will never change.
1: This part of me will never change.
2: This part of me is totally stuck.
1: This part of me is totally stuck.
2: Under your eye, under the pupil of your eye. And whether or not this part of me changes,
1: And whether or not this part of me changes.
2: Or whether I stay stuck.
1: Or whether I stay stuck.
2: And your nose, I deeply and completely accept myself.
1: I deeply and completely accept myself.
2: Chin point. Whether or not I change.
1: Whether or not I change.
2: Whether change is easy.
1: Whether change is easy.
2: Or whether change is impossible.
1: Or whether change is impossible.
2: Collarbone points where they meet your breastbone. And tap on both sides of your body, both collarbone points, if you can, if you have your hands free. Change is easy.
1: Change is easy.
2: Change is hard.
1: Change is hard.
2: Change is impossible.
1: Change is impossible.
2: Change is effortless.
1: Change is effortless.
2: Under your arm, about four inches below your armpit. And whether or not I change.
1: And whether or not I change.
2: Quadichop point again. I fully and completely accept myself.
1: I fully and completely accept myself.
2: I accept myself changing.
1: I accept myself changing.
2: I accept myself remaining totally stuck.
1: I accept myself remaining totally stuck. Either way. Either way. I am me. I am me.
2: And all is well.
1: And all is well.
2: Keep tapping your red chalk point. Say out loud again. Change is hard.
1: Change is hard.
2: Sometimes I'm stuck.
1: Sometimes I'm I'm stuck.
2: Sometimes I'm not stuck.
1: Sometimes I'm not stuck.
2: Sometimes change is easy.
1: Sometimes change is easy.
2: And whether or not change is hard or easy.
1: And whether or not change is hard or easy.
2: I deeply and completely accept myself.
1: I deeply and completely accept myself.
2: Just the way I am.
1: Just the way I am.
2: And just the way I am not.
1: And just the way I am not.
2: Okay, take a deep breath. Now that little routine took about two minutes. It was really quick. But um, tune back into your body now and give your physical sensation a new number. How strongly do you feel that number when you think about your hopeless problem. Mm.
1: Dawson, I have two questions following up that, that amazing experience. The first one is if someone begins to tap and they just did that and they actually feel in, 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 an increase in emotion, you know, maybe they got even a little bit teary-eyed doing that tapping. Does that mean they're doing something wrong? Does it mean they have to do something different? What happens when we actually begin to tap and feel a bit more triggered?
2: Not at all. They're doing something very right, and it's often the case that people get worse before they get better. I remember one working with one group at a live workshop, and I was measuring their levels of PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder before and after, and quite a few of them had clinical levels, high levels of PTSD, and two of them in particular. Um, had a, a, a significant rise in their PTSD symptoms between the beginning of the workshop and the end of the workshop. So they tested worse for PTSD after the EFT workshop than before. And you think, what, what happened there? You know, we know we from all this research that EFT rapidly remediates PTSD. And what had happened was one was the uh, the supervising psychiatrist at a large hospital, and the other was a musician. And the one of the psychiatrists had... Been sexually and emotionally and physically abused as a child. And all her psychiatry training, all of the work she'd done on herself, all of the clinical hours she'd amassed in the course of learning to be uh, a therapist, had not been able to budge the PTSD from her childhood. She still had really high levels of PTSD from her childhood. And what happened was, in that workshop, she could safely get in touch with those emotions. It was the first time in her life that she had a safe environment to really feel her feelings. Before, the best she could do was shove them down into the basement where they couldn't hurt her. So you find with people like that, that tapping is their their first opportunity. The other young man had also been abused as a child. And again, he then began to re-experience it And again, for the first time, he was in this warm, safe, loving environment. We could really feel his feelings. What happens when we're growing up, even when we're not not being abused, is that we're trained by society to suppress our feelings. So when when you're three, your bunny rabbit dies. And your mother, meaning well, says, don't cry. We'll get you a new bunny rabbit. When your six-year-grandmother dies and no one, everyone is very sad, no one says anything or helps you process your feelings. When you're eight years old, you're in school and your best friend moves away to, to a different state and you lose your best friend and your father, very well-intentioned, say, says something like, don't worry, you'll, you'll find a new friend. And so what these people are telling you, what these adults are telling you, these adults you're into as a child, as experts in how to live life, is don't feel your feelings. Suppress those feelings those feelings are difficult. They may be embarrassing. They're they're unwanted Make them go away feel better quickly this too shall pass think positively all of these messages we get about living in a positive society Now, I, I'm a positive person and I I think people around me perceive me as a positive person but I'm so aware especially in our workshops as we work with people live that They've never, ever, ever in their lives up to this point, maybe for 20, 30, 40 years, had the chance to really feel those feelings. So when we have a rise in sud, when our sud level goes up, what's happening usually is we're, for the first time, we're mourning the bunny rabbit that died at three. We're mourning our friend that moved away when we were eight years old. We're mourning the death of our grandmother in between those two events. We're finally getting in touch with those emotions. And what you find is that the numbers go up, and the numbers go down. When I retested those two people a few weeks later, their PTSD symptoms were dramatically lower, but they'd, they'd really processed those feelings, and they had had all that old emotion, that old stuck emotion flow through them and out, and that's what's happening to you if your sub-level goes up.
1: Yeah, so often we, we fear emotions, or we start to feel uncomfortable, and we think that we're doing something wrong, and it's, it's so beautiful when we begin to have a more compassionate and loving relationship with our own feelings instead of judging them. That's a, wh- what seems to be a really common theme throughout this whole summit is allowing yourself to honor how you feel and release judgment around how you feel. And that's how we begin to experience some more freedom. My, my second question, and I know we, we need to move on to this to-do list, but when it comes to the tapping that you just did, if someone is doing this on their own, how do they figure out what to say? I love how every expert has Just a different style when it comes to tapping. I noticed that when we were tapping, you kept going back and forth between the it's easy to change, it's hard to change. Why are we doing that? How do we figure out how to do that on our own?
2: What I recommend doing if you're on your own is I recommend you focus as best you can on childhood events. Early is good, the earlier the better, and also make them specific. Get concrete events this happened, this actually happened. When you work with kids, also, you actually do that. You just say, this happened, you, you tap on that. But um, I actually recommend that you 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 always begin your quest for how you feel in the present. You begin your quest as far back in the past as possible. The, the problem is never the problem. The problem is always a much earlier problem. One lady who was in one of our workshops said, uh, I'm so angry my husband is not here with me, he's not... He's not, he's not doing the same work as I am in a work I'm doing. And also, he, do, he doesn't help around the house. So I had her tune into her, her physical feelings around her husband not helping around the house. She was so angry at her husband. She said, you know, I talked to him about it, and he doesn't help around the house. doesn't pull, doesn't pull his weight around the house. So um, I had her do some 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 tuning into her body. So I asked her to travel back in time, feel the feeling in her body, And tell me what the earliest experience was, the earliest concrete event, when she felt that same physical feeling in her body. She said, well, I was raised in Yugoslavia. And in Yugoslavia back then, the men didn't do much. So I remember being a little girl. And I was working. I was helping my mom. My mom was working hard. And my father and my uncles sat around smoking and drinking beer and watching us. I remember being so angry when I was just two or three years old. We tapped on that. And Jessica, we tapped on that, and we never tapped on her husband and the current situation. We finished our round of tapping. She burst into tears and said, Honestly, my husband knows I need help around the house, and he helps me a lot. I'm such a... I'm such a, I'm such a nag. I just keep <laughs> nagging him all the time, and I, I realize I'm, I'm having a big negative impact on our marriage. And I realize it's not him; it's me. So she had this complete breakthrough. But as long as she keeps on displacing and projecting. It onto her husband or onto her boss or onto the government or onto the corporations or onto someone else, then she's not healing herself. In fact, that projection is a way of the problem keeping itself alive in your body and in your experience. It, your, that problem wants to live in you and it's delighted to project it onto your husband or your, or your, 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 your company or your boss or someone else because it knows as long as it keeps projecting, you aren't going to heal it inside of you. So I always have people come back to themselves, take responsibility for themselves, and then go back to the childhood. Tap on that, and suddenly, all of your worries and upsets around your boss, your spouse, the government, all your current stuff goes way, way, way down when you deal successfully with your past, with your childhood.
1: Right. It makes sense. So someone might be thinking, what does this all have to do with my to-do list? But really, we're seeing the way that we structure our lives can be a reflection It reflects our beliefs and the way that we're showing up. So here we are with this to-do list where we might be having a long list of things that aren't even good for us. It's not our priorities. We're putting other people's needs first. How do we begin to create a new structure and really highlight the things on the list that are so important for us to do?
2: What I would like you to do is if you have a to-do list handy, pick it up and look at it as I'm talking here. Maybe you have 33 things on your to-do list. I want you to not do those 33 things. Instead, I want you to circle, highlight those things on your to-do list that will make your whole life easier and more successful only. And that's your success list. That may only be three things, okay? Only three of those 33 things might be your success list. The rest is just your to-do list. Getting your success list done, that's what's going to make your whole life easier or render a whole bunch of things unnecessary. I'll give you an example that I'm currently working on in my own life is my number one thing on my success list for the last year and a half or so has been building automated sales funnels. My online programs. We have a couple of online programs where we weight loss, we have one for relationships, and we've had fantastic feedback from people who've gone through these, these programs. But now I'm building automated sales funnels to where people find them online, click through, take the programs, and the whole process happens in the background. And so I've, I've developed those, and they're really incredibly productive. That's my number one thing. If I do that, it helps my company, it helps my team, it helps me personally. It frees up a lot of my time. It's already enabled me to hire a manager to run my company. So I've been able to step out of managing my own own business. So it's had all kinds of of good effects. Now, I could have done, done a thousand things with that year other than building automated sales funnels. But if I got that one thing right, then a whole bunch of other things were right as well. So ask yourself, what one thing is there? What's my goal number one? If I accomplish that, then everything else falls into place. Because if you identify that and then you focus on that and stay focused on that on your success list, it's totally fine to then not do all the other things that are not going to contribute to that goal number one. So I really encourage you to not think of terms of a to-do list, but circle the things that are on your success list, do those, and accept the fact that you won't be able to do it all.
1: And it brings us back to what we were tapping on in the beginning, that that sense of, well, I don't, I don't know. Because I can imagine someone listening, hearing about this success list and, and wondering, well, am I picking the right thing? Am I doing it right? I don't know. And that's why it's so important to even go back in this interview and continue to tap and begin to trust our intuition and to begin to ask ourselves these questions. When we tap and then we ask ourselves a question, it's so much easier to find an answer so what are some questions that we can ask ourselves to help us get clear on what those success items should be?
2: Will it make my life easier? Will it make other things unnecessary? For example, in my example here, if I have successful automated sales funnels, then I don't have to do new projects to produce that income. It's being produced by the sales funnels, so that makes it unnecessary for me to do the new products. So, will if I do this, will it make other things easier? Will it make them unnecessary? Another great question to ask yourself is Is doing this aligned with my highest good, with my highest purpose? And, and I know that many of us become so sucked into our current issues and our current to do's. We don't have a chance to step outside the box and look at the bigger meaning of our lives. So I really encourage you to have a sense of the big picture. What is your life purpose? In fact, don't ask yourself what your life purpose is. If you believe in a higher power, ask your higher power what your life purpose is. Ask the universe what its highest version of you is and how you can live that version of you. That's a very different question from what should my priorities be. So I love to start my success list with the big picture. What is, what is the universe's most elevated version of me and my life? How about living from there and that highest purpose and then filtering it down to what I do? That will then inform and shape everything else that I do if I've tuned in to that high purpose. So I recommend first tuning in there, and then that's where you start, the highest possible version of you. What might that look up like? What might that be? And then you move into the details of the sublists and the, the and the actual t- tasks you want to take, things you do say, think, and aspire to.
1: Is there a tapping process that we can do to help us connect to that highest version of ourselves?
2: I actually do this every morning, Jessica. And it's a funny thing. I've ne- I I do you know, probably 200 interviews a year. I've never, ever, ever once thought about, about talking about that. No one's ever asked me that before. So there is, and I do it every day. And it's just funny to me as you say that that I've never had. Ooh, interview we with get you the
1: exclusive that. at the <laughs> Tapping World Summit. I love it.
2: <laughs> yeah. So okay, what I do is I wake up in the morning. And I say, here's my tapping routine. In fact, tap along with me and trust me on this one. Okay.
1: Should we repeat after you?
2: Repeat after me. So, start with the quadi-chop point. I release anything and everything.
1: I release anything and everything.
2: In my body, mind, and spirit.
1: In my body, mind, and spirit.
2: Other than the highest vision
1: other than the highest vision
2: of my higher power
1: of my higher power
2: i completely accept
1: i completely accept
2: the version of me
1: the version of me
2: that is perceived by my higher power
1: that is perceived by my higher power
2: and i release all other versions of me
1: and I release all other versions of me.
2: Tap on your eyebrow point. I release anything and everything.
1: I release anything and everything.
2: Side of your eye. In my body, mind, or spirit.
1: In my body, mind, and spirit.
2: And your eye. Other than the version of me.
1: Other than the version of me.
2: your nose perceived by my higher power
1: perceived by my higher power
2: chin and I fill myself
1: and I fill myself
2: collarbone point with the version of me
1: with the version of me
2: that is perceived by my higher power
1: that is perceived by my higher power
2: under your arm I am one with my higher power.
1: I am one with my higher power.
2: Karate chop point, I am one with the highest possible mind.
1: I am one with the highest possible mind.
2: I am one with the highest possible energy of the universe.
1: I am one with the highest possible energy of the universe.
2: Eyebrow point, it flows through me.
1: It flows through me.
2: Side of your eye. And every single word and thought
1: and every single word and thought
2: And your eye that I say or think today
1: that I say or think today
2: under your nose my whole mind body and life
1: my whole mind body and life
2: chin is infused with the energy and vision of my higher power
1: is infused with the energy and vision of my higher power
2: Collarbone point, and I release everything else.
1: And I release everything else.
2: And your arm. Naturally and effortlessly.
1: Naturally and effortlessly.
2: Quadricia point, and I fully inhabit.
1: And I fully inhabit.
2: That vision of me.
1: That vision of me.
2: Of my body.
1: Of my body.
2: And of my potential.
1: And of my potential.
2: That is held in the mind
1: that is held in the mind
2: of my higher power
1: of my higher power
2: i fully accept this
1: i fully accept this
2: and i move into the day
1: and i move into the day
2: knowing this is true
1: knowing that this is true
2: take a breath now i can tell you just if you wake up and do that in the morning
1: Oh my goodness! Thank you for that exclusive. Yes. you have no.
2: I mean, sometimes I feel like a bolt of energy just comes down from heaven and goes wham. My whole life is changes. I I feel so much happier. I let go of all my stresses and struggles. It's so amazing to align yourself that way every day. My my, my wife my wife says my precious wife says that uh, she's so glad I meditate in the morning because I change. I I change from being this sort of kind of Pedestrian thinking, ordinary person, sort of preoccupied and overwhelmed sometimes. And I do that in the morning, and bam, everything shifts. And then I go out into the day full of energy, full of enthusiasm, full of joy, and the ability to be creative and make huge change in the world. So uh, when you align yourself in this way, suddenly you're not doing your your success list. You aren't doing your to do list. You aren't trying to generate a life purpose at the level of your little, local, limited vision of who you are that's been built over the course of your lifetime by your childhood conditioning and your society and the people around you, suddenly you are living the version of you that exists in the mind of God, the mind of the universe. Suddenly that's who you are. That's who you are incarnating in your daily life. And I can tell you that has a whole different success definition and productivity procedure than the little limited local you have. So I really encourage you not to make your lists from the perspective of your limited local version and vision of yourself. Tune in to that highest possible vision of yourself, do the tapping, release everything else, then start making your lists. And I can tell you, those lists will look very, very different from the ones you make when you're defining yourself as a small, local,
1: limited person. That's such a great point that when we sit down and write our to-do list, any type of list to ask ourselves, am I coming from a place of worry, stress, and fear? Or am I coming from a place of, of peace and excitement and feeling fulfilled and just you know, having creating that present moment where we can feel good regardless of our circumstances and that place decide what the next steps are. So important. So important to ask ourselves. I'm going to make sure I do that when I'm writing my to-do list. I'm going to ask myself, where is this list coming from? Is it from my higher self or is it from my worry?
2: Also, when you face adversity, like I remember uh, many, many years ago when I was pu- publishing one of the very first books I, I ever published, it was a book called Your Body Bleeds Every Word You Say by an author called Barbara Levine, and this is going back a long time, and I remember we got the first sales report from our distributor after we released the book, and it was dismal. It was just a terrible sales report, and um, I remember looking at that, that sales report, and it looked like the book was going to totally bomb and we could lose a lot of money, which we'd invested in the book and all this all this catastrophe. So I, I, I looked at that sales report. I looked at that piece of paper. I carried it around for a couple of days. And Jessica, you know the question I asked myself was? I asked myself, how would an abundant and prosperous person handle news like this? Mm. <laughs> now, that was definitely a good question to ask rather than, oh, my goodness, what a catastrophe. We're, we're ruined. You know, and actually, that, that, that book went on to sell 100,000 copies. <laughs> wow,
1: that's incredible. 100,000. Yeah, being a bestseller. Yeah, be a best-seller. That is so, so great.
2: Yeah. So the frame in which you hold even bad news, bad, you know, bad things happen, the random bad things that happen, happen to everyone, when that bad thing happens to you, rather than catastrophizing, say, if you're sick, you say, how does a healthy person handle this The sickness? I, I, when I get a cold, for example, I see a cold, uh, the way I vision it, the way I hold it is, this is a natural process of releasing cells, byproducts of material my body no longer needs. So you, you hold even sickness as your body releasing stuff it doesn't need anymore. So everything in, in, in the fields of money, work, spirituality, wherever it, wherever it may be, you can train yourself to hold even problems in a healthy frame. And that totally transforms them and opens up an enormous possibilities you don't see when you're just treating it as, 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 as an actual problem.
1: Ah, that's a great piece of advice. Thank you for that. Dawson, we're looking at our to-do list. We're circling the things that really matter that lead us to where we want to go. And now we're left with these extra things that we put on our list, some obligations that we feel. And you mentioned before that one of the reasons tapping is so important is, is because many people struggle to say no and to create boundaries. So let's say that we're going through this process and we realize, okay, we need to say no to somebody who's really draining our energy, who's asking for too much. How can we begin to use tapping to get us to a place where we can create those boundaries in a way that makes us feel really strong and congruent and safe to do so?
2: let's do a little round of tapping on that very thing so i want you to imagine now somebody with whom you have to have a difficult conversation now as it happens right now there's one member of my team with whom i have have a difficult conversation today or tomorrow so i'm going to imagine them but imagine somebody in your life with whom you have to set a boundary with whom you may need to say no maybe someone you've said yes to a lot and they're they're going to be mad at you saying no or feel disappointed or let down or betrayed. And uh, they may get, get angry at you or have an emotional reaction to see you saying no. So I want you to imagine that person and imagine that situation right now and allow yourself to feel all the discomfort that wells up in your body. So I'm tuning in now to having to talk to this member of my team. And that discomfort, I want you to tune into anything that you are facing in your life that may produce that kind of reaction when you said about me or say a no. So picture yourself vividly being with that person right now. Okay, now tune into your body and find out where in your body you feel that. Like I'm feeling it in my throat right now, but you may feel it in your heart, in your gut, in your knees, in your ankles, in your forehead. It's your body and you're the expert. So so Make a note of where in your body it is, and also how strong it is on a 0 to 10 scale. Is it a 2? Is it a 5? Is it a 7? Is it a 10? What number are you? So now you know your body, you know your number. And I want you now to ask yourself that magic question. What's the earliest time in my life I ever felt the same physical sensation? And for me personally, an image of me is popping up of a, being a kid in kindergarten and having to turn in an assignment and um, feeling very uncertain about it. So whatever, whatever your image is, tune it to your image, and that's your event. Now, if for some reason you can't find a childhood event, just vividly picture the adult situation. If you can find a childhood event, we can't always find them. It's fine if you can't find one to tap on the adult situation. But if you can find a a childhood event, that's preferable. And what I'll do is I'll just use the phrase the event so that whether you're picturing an adult event, a future event, a past event, a childhood event, this tapping round will work for you. So we'll start with our quadric chop point, vividly picture the situation. say out loud Even though I have this unpleasant event
1: Even though I have this unpleasant event
2: I deeply and completely accept myself
1: I deeply and completely accept myself
2: Even though I have this unpleasant event
1: Even though I have this unpleasant event
2: I deeply and completely accept
1: I deeply and completely accept all of me, all of me,
2: all of my life,
1: all of my life,
2: just the way it is,
1: just the way it is.
2: Eyebrow point. This event,
1: this event,
2: side of your eye, I vividly imagine this event.
1: I vividly imagine this event.
2: I I vividly imagine,
1: I vividly imagine
2: all the sights and sounds.
1: All the sights and sounds.
2: Of this event.
1: Of this event.
2: Under your eye. I vividly imagine.
1: I vividly imagine.
2: All the tastes and touches of this event.
1: All the tastes and touches of this event.
2: Under your nose. I vividly imagine.
1: I vividly imagine.
2: Chin. Every detail of this event
1: every detail of this event
2: collarbone point vivid details of this event
1: vivid details of this event
2: Under your arm, every vivid detail of this event
1: every vivid detail of this event,
2: body chop point, and even though I would rather not have this event
1: and even though I would rather not have this event,
2: I accept my life the way it is.
1: I accept my life the way it is
2: including this event.
1: Including this event.
2: I love and accept myself.
1: I love and accept myself.
2: And my life.
1: And my life.
2: Despite the fact that it contains this event.
1: Despite the fact that it contains this event.
2: My life the way it is.
1: My life the way it is.
2: Including this event.
1: Including this event.
2: Me the way I am.
1: Me the way I am.
2: Exactly the way I am.
1: Exactly the way I am.
2: I fully and completely accept.
1: I fully and completely accept
2: every part of me.
1: Every part of me.
2: And every part of my life.
1: And every part of my life.
2: Okay, take a deep breath. Now, I'm, I'm not using classical EFT here. I'm, I'm doing some advanced techniques in some of this tapping. I'm keeping it as simple as I can. I'm not trying to get into way complex techniques, but I'm using, throwing a few things in here that are a little, more, uh, little less than basic. But you can see how that bringing these things together, imagining all the sensory channels, really helps us capture the event, and then we can tap on it and feel our, our numbers go down. So record your number now tune back into your body, the same location in your body. What's your new number when you imagine the event now?
1: And once we do that work and we tap on an event and say, we still have to have a conversation to say no. And it still makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable, probably because we're not used to having that conversation. I think anytime that we're doing something new, it makes us expand around our comfort zone. It makes us expand, excuse me, outside of our comfort zone. So is there a way to tap or do you have some tips on how we can use tapping right before we begin to engage in that conversation?
2: Yeah, it's it's great to tap before the conversation. It's great to tap if you can during the conversation. Like, for example, my wife and I have a, a firm ironclad rule that if we have any kind of emotionally tense conversation we need to have with each other, like, you know, we will we'll be just debating something, we aren't sure whether to do it or, or we aren't sure what we want to do about a certain item and there's a little bit of emotional tension there. We always tap. So, if there's any kind of issue in the relationship, you tap while you're having the conversation. Start tapping, then start talking and I can tell you if you're married, you'll really appreciate this advice, never the other way around. Don't start talking and then wait to tap you leave out an emotional flare up. If there's any chance of emotional flare up, start tapping first then talking no talking without tapping so that's 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 i think well worth making that agreement in, in your relationship Yeah, and so maybe um,
1: not so much with your boss but in yes, your relationship but, it could definitely work
2: yes and of course in an office like yours or mine jessica we can do it in, yes that's true we <laughs> at work we, as well
1: we could t- definitely do
2: it yeah but, but yeah. You, know, you, you 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 can tap tap in advance so, so picture the event happening and tap Uh, in advance. So when you go into the the event, you aren't carrying that big emotional charge. And second thing you can do is during the the situation, during the event itself, so maybe it's a tense meeting with a team member, maybe it's a difficult issue with, with with a child, setting a boundary with a teenager, a parent with dementia or Alzheimer's, a fight with your spouse, you can do mental tapping while you're addressing the issue. So mentally you can be tapping. There's also a way of surreptitiously t- tapping your 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 fingertip points. And that's just to take the take your fingertips and put them together. So the tips of both hands, fingertips of both hands are together, and then just tap with the edges of your fingernails on the other hand and you're actually now stimulating the end points of the meridians of, uh, of the one hand and you can do that kind of tapping like under the table when you're at a meeting. You can even do that kind of tapping when you're in a really public place and people think you're just fidgeting. So you're actually tapping on like acupuncture points, but it's self-soothing. So mental tapping is good. Preparatory tapping is good, and this little trick of using your fingertips to tap on those hand points of EFT under the table or uh, out of sight is a third way of doing it. Right,
1: that's fantastic. Thank you. I want to ask you about focus. So it seems to me that when we're creating our to-do lists and we're circling those really big ones, the the success to-dos, there is a level of focus. You know, it's powerful because now we're very clear on what we need to do. Do you have any advice on how we can begin to use tapping when we feel a bit distracted and we're not staying focused on that single task?
2: Yes, and there are those days when we're really focused and easily focused. Other times, we have a hard time deriving focus. I know for me, Jessica personally, and you know this because every year I need to give you my article for the Tapping World Summit workbook, and I'm often late because I, I there's this like this is. Four thousand words or ten thousand words—I have to write. and It seems like a huge amount to accomplish, and so I, uh, I tend to put it off for a long time, and have a hard time finding finding that moment. And so, uh, and I know when when I sit down to write, I also feel a lot of inner stuff moving. It's like I feel all this resistance to moving, to, to writing. Now, once I'm launched after the first like half hour or hour. I'm just flowing. I'm writing. You, I, I, I've tuned everything else out. I'm completely focused on producing an excellent piece of writing, and so um, I, I did that after this workbook. But when I when I was finally when I finally was focused, I did great. But getting to the point of focus was hard for me, and it always has been. And I'm a writer, so it's it's crazy. But um, but ask yourself, what do you have trouble focusing on? And so what I what I do is when I tap, I focus. On, I I, I I fill my mind with the idea of letting go of any resistance and I tap on that. So I feel a resistance in my body and I tap. And I may tap that way a little bit at the beginning of each writing project. So if you're having trouble focusing, it, again, tune into your body. Where do you feel the tension? Where do you feel the resistance? And tap on that. You can tap on resistance anywhere in your life. And so when you do that, you then can move through that barrier and start to do what needs to be done. So for for focus, tap on your resistance to doing that project. Tap it all away, feel it going down. And over time, you'll also learn your tendencies. Like I could describe what my usual pattern is of resistance and then getting into the flow after the first half hour or so. I know that's my pattern. So I can then bring EFT to it and apply EFT at at the right junctures there. Are
1: are there certain questions that we can ask ourselves to get clear on what the resistance is? Because I, I know that sometimes I will find myself procrastinating or I'll be having trouble focusing and I am not clear in that moment where it stems from.
2: Yeah, sometimes we know where it stems from, we know our patterns, other times we don't know where it stems from, and uh, we're at a loss as to the, the specifics of that lack of focus. And you can use EFT either way. If you know what your pattern is, you can tap on that. If you aren't sure, you can tap on that as well. So you can tap very generally and vaguely. Let's just do a little round of this as well. Yeah, please. So a general statement might be tapping on your karate chop point and saying, I don't know why I can't focus.
1: I don't know why I can't focus.
2: And I accept myself anyway.
1: And I accept myself anyway.
2: I have no idea why I can't focus.
1: I have no idea why I can't focus.
2: And I still accept myself.
1: And I still accept myself.
2: Fully and completely.
1: Fully and completely.
2: Eyebrow point. Lack of focus.
1: Lack of focus.
2: Side of your eye. Complete lack of focus.
1: Complete lack of focus.
2: Under your eye. Always a lack of focus.
1: Always a lack of focus.
2: Under your nose. Complete lack of focus.:
1: A complete lack of focus.
2: Chin point. No focus at all.
1: No focus at all.
2: Collarbone point. Inability to focus.
1: Inability to focus.
2: Under your arm. Never focus.
1: Never focus.
2: Quite a point. And I still fully and completely accept myself.
1: And I still fully and completely accept myself.
2: With this complete lack of focus.
1: With this complete lack of focus.
2: This version of me.
1: This version of me.
2: That is totally unfocused.
1: That is totally unfocused.
2: I love and accept that version of me.
1: I love and accept that version of me
2: just as much
1: just as much
2: as i accept the version of me
1: as i accept the version of me
2: that focuses effortlessly and naturally
1: that focuses effortlessly and naturally
2: okay take a breath now again you probably way dial down the emotional intensity around the issue and then move into it much more gracefully than if you've got all that tension held in your body in the form of resistance
1: that is fantastic. And I think the biggest takeaway, I mean, there's so many takeaways from our time together, but it's a, it's a reminder to me, just start doing the tapping. If you, it's such a forgiving process. If you give yourself the experience to tap on, I don't know what to do. I don't know why I'm not focused. We're able to get those answers and do even deeper work and do this, these great tips, which are circling what's really important to us and learning how to create boundaries to say no to what's not important to us. So it has been such a great interview Dawson. You've given us so much. I hope people come back again and again, before we wrap up any last piece of advice, something that you really hope people remember.
2: The thing I most want people to remember is that this is all about self love and self acceptance. And, my passionate desire is for you to love yourself, love yourself and and honor yourself the way you are. Let go of what I call the coercive model of change. The coercive model of change is the one where you try and force yourself to do things, so you say, "I will love myself after I lose." 25 pounds, after I make $25,000, after I find my soul, if I just find my soulmate, then then my life will be fine. There are all these ways we have of deferring self-love and self-acceptance, and I want you to learn to love yourself just the way you are and just the way you are not right now. The great client-centered therapist, Carl Rogers, 20th century therapist said, the paradox of change is that the first step in change is to accept yourself the way you are, that's when you start to change. And so many of us think we need to be different. We beat ourselves up. We have all this internal self-talk around you need to be different. You need to make that more money. You need to lose that weight. You need to do this, that, the next thing. And we'll love ourselves when we get to that point. And I so want you to learn to breathe and to fill yourself with self-love now. Because you know what? I love you. The universe loves you. If you believe in God, God loves you. Your higher power loves you. There is so much love just waiting to pour through you as soon as you release your small vision of yourself and release your resistance to that love. I know many, many years ago I wrote a book called Facing Death, Finding Love, about death and love. And it was all about this whole idea of the universe being absolutely of love and flooding us with love. And what you'll do, what you'll find when you learn to release your resistance, tap away all of those obstacles and feel that love is you are a being of love in a universe of love and fill your mind with love and acceptance every day. Honor yourself, nurture yourself, be passionate in your love for yourself and the love that pours through you. And when you are in that space, there is so much love that is pouring through you from the universe, that it spills out all around you in glorious projects, in people's smiles, in kindness, in spontaneous generosity, and what you find yourself living in is a world of love. You find suddenly that the world is full of love because it's pouring out through you. You're attracting it all over the place. You're resonating with all the other love and all the other people around you. And so your whole being then is full of love. And that's the place to be. And that's what I so want for you is to feel love, be love, every single day
1: on that sweet, sweet note of love. Thank you, Dawson, so much. Sending you so much love. I couldn't be more grateful. Thank you.